First today to the continued reflections on one man whose decisions genuinely changed the world. Now, not many can claim this. Mikhail Gorbachev, the last president of the Soviet Union, could. He died this week, and no doubt you've caught some of the many eulogies about him. But have you noticed how much they have continued with fresh insights offered? Because there is a lot to learn from analysing in a clear-eyed way his epic life and decision-making. It's pertinent to the current hostilities, for instance, between Ukraine and Russia. And he's almost a case study in the risks of allowing political vacuums to develop in your society. Well, one Australian, Peter Tesh, has been thinking hard. His 30 years as a diplomat representing the Australian government began with a posting to Moscow in 1989 during Gorbachev's final years in power as Soviet leader. He returned as ambassador to Russia between 2016 and 2019 and he joins me now from Berlin. Good morning, Peter. Morning, not sure what was going on there. No, okay. Uh, Peter, the various writing about Gorbachev has been so thought-provoking, the longer it's gone on, it's moved beyond the merely sentimental, I'd say, to really considering his legacy. Um, Before we go into the detail of how much of what you did know about him and having met him, do you agree that Putin is determined to unravel Gorbachev's legacy and that we really need to understand that, to understand modern politics? Well, I'd say I don't think we truly understand Putin well enough and sometimes I think we make it harder for ourselves to understand him. Sometimes if you want to know what he wants and what he thinks, listening to what he says is a good idea. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily say that his goal is to unravel Gorbachev's legacy, But I certainly think that uh, his goal certainly involves actions that dismantle many of the things that Gorbachev gave the peoples of Russia, that he gave the world in terms of the establishment of choice, the acknowledgement of truth, the freedom from fear, uh, and whether these are the intent of President Putin or not, the effects are very clear and they are to uh, reverse many of the extraordinarily positive changes that Gorbachev ushered in. I mean, it is interesting what he said, what he has has said, uh, this is Putin, I mean, about Gorbachev's death. The paralysis of power, oh, sorry, it was the day that they invaded um, Ukraine. This is what he said, Putin. The paralysis of power and will is the first step towards complete degradation and oblivion. We lost confidence for only one moment but it was enough to disrupt the balance of forces in the world. Now, I mean, that does sound to me as if he is commenting on Gorbachev's uh, decision-making. Well, it also tends to overlook the simple reality that given choice, people exercised it, uh, and that demonstrated the extraordinary brittleness of the Soviet system that had been in place for seven decades uh, and the clay upon which it had been built. So I think those who ascribed to Gorbachev responsibility for the collapse of the USSR and for ushering in everything that subsequently has been decried as the greatest political catastrophe of the 20th century, uh, overlooked the reality that the system was not capable of surviving. Mm. And it was a pretty, pretty modest uh, push that was given to it by its own people through the exercise of choice, once freed from fear through Gorbachev's policies of glasnost, uh, in particular, 
uh, and that is something that we should all keep in mind. Yes, and we'll come back to that. But um, let's talk about your personal dealings with him. You had dinner with him on a number of occasions when you were ambassador from 2016, I gather. Uh, A rare opportunity, perhaps, to observe the man at close quarters in his later years. How would you describe him? Well, it was a rare opportunity, certainly. And for me, it was extraordinarily personally significant because I'd first visited uh, the Soviet Union as a student in 1985, not long after Gorbachev had become uh, General Secretary of the Communist Party. And it was purely accidental that the opportunity arose through a a friend of mine who enjoyed Gorbachev's trust, a journalist uh, and a very significant player uh, in uh, in Russia at the time. Uh, And I found myself in a small group of six of us just at a uh, restaurant near Gorbachev's Dacha, a place where he would often dine. Uh, And it was an amazing experience that first time to watch him. He was uh, intrigued to find the Australian ambassador there, intrigued to find the Australian ambassador speaking Russian, having previously lived in the USSR and therefore having had some awareness of and empathy and understanding for what the country had gone through. Um, I watched him that evening He was a man who clearly enjoyed being the centre of attention because by then he'd spent a lot of his years pretty much in isolation, uh, partly due to health issues, but uh, also I think it suited the authorities for him not to be a very public figure. Mm. Uh, And he Did he look defeated? uh, Not at all. He remained a man uh, who projected great warmth, Uh, great uh, enjoyment uh, in uh, being attended to. It was very clear that he was a man who was accustomed to being uh, at the centre of things. He didn't throw it around, uh, but he certainly enjoyed the attention. He had a great sense of humour and there was much more than the occasional twinkle in the eye Mm. uh, as we chatted over dinner. One thing that struck me as I watched him, his hands, they were big, strong hands that were very used to hard physical labour. And of course, in his childhood, uh, he and his father had been uh, very uh, well rewarded for work on the collective farm. Uh, And he was a man who clearly was accustomed uh, to doing things the hard way. His life upbringing during the war in Stavropol uh, region, uh, sort of in Trebojne rather, was the name of the, uh, the settlement where he came from. Uh, was clearly uh, something that marked his life. And uh, that sense of the war and the cost was something that very clearly motivated him throughout uh, as he made choices that put people first. And, and Peter, the interesting thing is you've been, uh, you were uh, representing Australia uh, and both the under Gorbachev and under Putin. You were there in 1991 during the attempted coup against him by uh, Kremlin and KGB hardliners, events that were described as three days that shook the world. And of course, that was the extraordinary sort of rivalry between him and Yeltsin. Uh, I heard someone say, if he and Yel- him and Yeltsin hadn't been so such extraordinary rivals, it, it's even possible to wonder about whether the Soviet Union would have fallen in quite the way it did. Um, but how shaken, in your judgment, was the West by the possibility of losing Gorbachev at that time, which of course didn't happen, but it definitely undermined him fatally, didn't it? Oh, it certainly did. Uh, and I think uh, we had... We faced really uh, an extraordinary moment there where the risk of all of that work being reversed overnight was quite real. Uh, But 
Two, there was a very substantial political rivalry uh, between the two uh, as the Soviet system uh, increasingly was buckling under the weight of its own inherent internal contradictions. Yeltsin politically seized the opportunities that that presented to stoke uh, Russian political authority uh, at the expense of the Union. And again, too many uh, people have forgotten that Gorbachev fought hard to the very end to try to bring about a modernization of the Soviet system. He was never intent upon tearing it down. No. He recognized that it was not capable of delivering what it had undertaken to deliver, and he thought he could make it better. But that's the what I think has really been interesting is to uh, realize um, various writers have said that he he did want to strengthen the system, which is what makes the collapse so extraordinary. And as the writer Anne Applebaum wrote yesterday, almost nobody's had such a profound impact on an era while understanding so little about it. And that he removed, uh, he never understood the depth of cynicism within his system or the anger of the Soviet satellite states. Um, that he removed an old system and put nothing in its place and was then surprised by the mafia state that arose to fill the vacuum. I mean, it's it, it's really a devastating comment on him. Um, and there are others uh, like that too. Yes, I read that piece. And I think, you know, with all respect for Anne Applebaum, I think that slightly overstates it in my opinion at least. But it is certainly true that he remained fundamentally a believer in the socialist model. Uh, and I think his strong belief was that most of his countrymen did too. And I think that was something that uh, proved to be a fatally flawed premise uh, from which to proceed because what most of his countrymen and women wanted uh, was a better life and they didn't see that the system was capable of giving it to them. And again, it was pretty much reform by diktat. So the uh, early measures that he took, you know, one of the classic measures when uh, when somebody comes into office in that country is let's crack down on alcoholism uh, because that's at the root the root cause of everything. Yeah. So uh, that created all kinds of social upheaval and disruption and loss of uh, revenue. And these things helped weaken confidence that these reforms were capable of delivering the material improvement. And I guess beginning with the political opening was what was fundamental to the collapse uh, because the system was just so sclerotic and awfully constructed that it couldn't deliver the economic benefits that people wanted. No, I mean, and Michael Kimmage, another writer, said he was a decent man, but an absolutely hopeless statesman or politician. And that verdict, I think, has been growing. That that it's a cautionary tale, I think, about reformers, how they must be grounded in some reality, however good their motives are. Otherwise, they can leave their societies much worse off. Yeah, I'm not sure that, uh, again, this I think points to the fundamental dichotomy and perceptions of Gorbachev. If you're sitting outside uh, the country and you reflect upon what his decisions meant for stability in Europe, for the stability of the world, for the reduction of the threat of nuclear uh, conflict, uh, he was a pretty impressive statesman and his capacity to force those things through in the foreign policy arena uh, should never be underestimated. And he did that carrying the Politburo, the party system, the hardliners, the military with him. Uh, but certainly at home, I think, uh, he he failed to bring people 
with him on the journey because the journey was starting from so far back in terms of material But isn't growth. that your job to he, know that? <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Yes, but again, I think it points to the fundamental problems of essentially Byzantine structures like that where uh, as the... Um, you know, as the information goes up, it tends to become more filtered. Uh, and of course, this was all in the pre-24-7 social media vox pop sort of world. So everything was built very much upon an upwards feed uh, of information. Uh, and as we know, the system was so fundamentally grounded in local people exercising authority in their own interests uh, that I think some of the premises, again, were, were flawed. And look, we, we must uh, go, but I mean, she also, Anne Applebaum and others have pointed out, of course, it must be said, the fall of the Soviet Union could have been so so much more bloody, so much bigger than what is happening underway, or, you know, what we're seeing now between Ukraine and Russia. So I suppose the fact that it did fall peacefully, um, even if it led to a great deal of chaos in its wake, he has to be granted that, doesn't he? Well, He didn't I send in the tanks. <laughs> well, he did into Vilnius and into Tbilisi. Yeah, but only 15 uh, people and, died. Well, yeah, I'd be interested to hear what your... Uh, Listeners of Baltic origins say about this, and the True. Foreign Minister Gabrielis Landsbergis has been very unequivocal in his condemnation of Gorbachev and refusal to uh, condole uh, uh, to condone any sort of condolence. But I think broadly, I would have to say yes. The man had choices to make in so many ways, and those uh, around him uh, had choices as to whether to carry them forward or not. The fact that the country uh, fell apart as relatively peacefully as it did is remarkable. Uh, and even if those uh, critics of Gorbachev want to say it should never have happened, uh, I don't think anybody that I've ever met uh, in the course of the last 30 years uh, has ever regretted the liberty, uh, the choice, uh, the prosperity that uh, arose as a consequence of him liberating his country from fear, giving people truth uh, and enabling them to exercise choice. Uh, and that is a great service for which he should be appropriately remembered. Thank you very much indeed, Peter, for that uh, summation. Thank you, Geraldine. Peter Tesh, our former ambassador to Moscow. And, of course, there's also the great love story between him and Raisa, which we didn't have time to cover. That, that's, uh, that's a movie in the making. It's easier than ever to hear your favourite local and national ABC radio stations live and on demand on the ABC Listen app.